Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. Evening, everyone. Well, back. It's another Sunday. It's another episode. And it's another time to talk about D and D. Now, real quick, I did post a bonus episode yesterday. I think most people kind of uh, found it. But uh, yeah, if you haven't, it's up. I did not post it on YouTube. It's only on you know Anchor and the other podcast stuff I use. So just go through there if you're one of those few people listening on YouTube. Yeah, just heads up. Anyway, so I got I got a, I got another story. And that's kind of what I want to focus on. Like I said, stories of just self personal experiences through D and D and tips, ideas, just inspiration that kind of came forward from them. Now. If you remember, I think, was it two episodes ago? Yeah. I want to say it was two episodes ago. I talked about this campaign I'm running, and there's a rogue in said campaign who voluntarily made a deal with a demon and now has magical powers and, you know, all this cool stuff, right? Now, he's become very reliant on the magic, on using, like, the magical abilities and stuff like that. And the most recent, like, the most recent dungeon they went through, the demon decided to say, hey, no, I want you to do this normally, so I'm getting rid of your powers, right? Now, from there, the player became very kind of, like, pessimistic, because I fully admit I run a little bit brutal campaigns. Like, the monk that got banished to the Abyss has been going through a lot and, like, encountered a Hydra and stuff like that, and he's by himself. He's only a level 7. like, I put my players through a lot. I fully understand that. Now, the rogue got very, like, pessimistic and had a very, like, fatal viewpoint. It was like, oh, without my magic, what am I going to do? Like, he was very just down in the dumps, not being able to do it. He didn't know what to do. He was like, I, I, you know, he'd been using it so much. He just felt bad. He's like, well, there's no point. And he's also had this idea of, like, well, I'm stuck, you know, in this demon's possession forever. I was desperate. I wasn't thinking right. And he's very, like, he's very upset over it. And he's, he's very vocal about it in character. And it makes sense. I feel like his character has gone through, like, the, the stages of realizing what it is he has done and what that means for his future. And as a player, the one thing I'm concerned about is that he's letting it take over in the sense that as a player, he feels like he has no more stake in the campaign because considering the demon can just willingly take away his magical powers whenever she sees fit and situations can get really bad. And he feels like there's very little he can do in combat. Uh, so I'm, I'm starting to think of like other things with the thieves guild that he can do. That's not combat reliant. So he has, there's other purpose besides just pure combat. And from there, I want to combat, I want to fight this, like, this fatalist idea. Because I think players will get that in any campaign. Like, there is a chance that a player will get that mindset that their character's useless. They're very pessimistic. They feel like, you know, no matter what they do, it doesn't matter. You know, their character's just going to die in the end. It, those kind of things can happen. Those fatal ideas can come into mind for players and it definitely happens combating it can be very difficult one way to do it obviously is to sit down with the player and just have a talk with them and see how they feel things like that and just get get an idea of who they are you know one-on-one human to human you know in person not in game i think that has its merits i think it's a really good idea what i did this time though for this player in particular is you know, we, we talked a little bit about it, and he fully admits. He's like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I know it's not the end, et cetera, et cetera. I know to work on it. But, but, but like, he understands. And I figured, you know what would be a good way to do this is to do it in-game, to find a very natural way of doing it. 
granted, the way that it happened wouldn't seem natural at all, but I mean natural as in it's happening in-game. So after he completed this mission to take out this one guy, he did not kill the necromancer. Someone else did, and the demon that he made a deal with, she was like, well, I wanted I sold told you I wanted you to do it. So she essentially flexed her muscles a bit and showed that even though she's only in his mind, she has control of him, you know, beyond that. And essentially just gave him like a mini heart attack. So he passed out and everything. And I decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have it like, you know, it, it happened. I'm like, I'm going to have him meet death because he didn't fully die. He was kind of like in this limbo state, you know, of having a heart attack, kind of like knocked down a coma. He was in this limbo state he ended up visiting death and I linked it all the like in the beginning of the campaign in fifth edition. You can give players trinkets, which are these really kind of bizarre little things that either they know about or they don't know about, but they have on their persons regardless. And the rogue end up having this glass chest piece, this bishop piece. He asked, can it be a bishop? I'm like, sure. It's a bishop piece. He has this glass chest piece and he's been holding onto it for a while. And I tied it all in. And like, so he met death. He ended up getting transported unwillingly you know his consciousness essentially he he saw himself as a you know as the gnome as a halfling he is but it's mostly his subconscious to this realm of death but death made it look like just you know this nice wooden room with knickknacks everywhere and everything and death was just a nicely dressed middle-aged man with a chessboard before him and the halfling went over you know my my uh rogue went over and sat down and realized there was a missing chess piece. And was all like, oh, well, I have the missing chess piece. And so Death's all like, oh, great. You know, thank you for returning that to me. And so he put the chess piece down. And Death's like, look, how about this? I'll make a deal with you. You can ask me any question you want. And I'll answer to the best of my ability. And you can do that for as long as we're playing. As soon as one of us wins, it's over. You know, I'll, no more questioning. And so the rogue's like, okay, let's do it. And I went online, and I found a version of chess online that you can play with friends online. And so I booted this game up online. I sent my buddy the link, and I'm like, let's play some chess. So we're essentially just playing chess like two people, you know, just as friends. We're playing chess, and we both suck at the game. So it was actually, I really, really, he he says he sucks at the game, but I really, really suck at the game. So we're just playing like friends, almost like we're BSing. But instead of BSing, we're role-playing this entire scenario. It was really fun because I would sit there and think of what move I would do, and that would reflect what death was doing in game. And same thing for him. He sometimes would sit there and think for a moment, and he'd be like, oh, wait, wait, hold on. I'm like, look, I'm role-playing this out entirely, and death's a very patient man because he's just he's death. He's just watching people die. So you don't have to apologize for taking your time. Like He will wait for you to say something. At one point, we had this moment of calm. Like There was this quiet moment for about two or three moves where no one said anything. And I, I run to him, I'm like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'll just wait here and wait for you to say something and then death will respond to it. And it felt very natural. And going through it, he obviously was asking questions about like his past because he was trying to find out the past to, of his family, you know, what happened to the gray rat name, stuff like that, trying to get some answers. And then he asked about his friend Shin, the monk who was lost in the abyss to see, like, is he still alive? Is there still a point for us trying? And I'm all like, yeah, yeah, he's still alive. I can definitely, I'm not sure where, because I don't have control of the abyss, but I can tell you for sure he has yet to come through my domain. He ain't dead. I didn't see his soul. So, yeah, still got a shot. And as time went on, what I decided to do is it felt more natural that death would get more inquisitive and instead question him. 
you know, question the road, question Lucius, is his name, question Lucius about his motives. Like, why did you pick up magic? Why did you do all of this? You know, things like that to kind of like start opening up the player's mind more as to why he did this. And to, like I said, to make it feel more natural. So it wasn't just me as a GM talking to him as a player and we're just talking randomly. Like we're, no, we're in game and I'm making him as his character reflect on these choices he's made without anyone else because it was just him and death. Like I didn't have to worry. He didn't have to worry also about pressure from any of the players. It was just him and me in a Google hangout talking and playing chess online. And I mean, that's just a natural human thing. Like, you know, when you go for therapy, it's you and the therapist is a one-on-one session. Unless you go for group counseling for the most part, it's a one-on-one session. Like people open up, usually open up more when it's just them talking to one person or one close friend or a family member, whoever, they're more willing to talk. So I set it up in game for exactly that. It's just him and one other person. And he even commented at the end of it, like in character. And then after we were done with the session, he told me again, he's like, he's like, yo, I, oh, thank you. Like, it was really nice talking to somebody who didn't want me dead because for the most part, 90% of the people they've encountered, especially those with like power, you know, demons, death, warlocks, you know, people of magical power essentially wanted the players dead. So he was like really relieved that he didn't have to worry about dying. And also he was very relieved when he first got there. His first question was like, so you don't want my soul. And he's like, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in just you. Like, I'm just interested in getting my things back and just talking. Because of that, it kind of broke down the barriers of the player being kind of tense and worried about what might happen and allowed him to drive more about his character. Because, you know, sometimes when you're in game and you're making, when you're role playing, even when you're role playing, like you're making checks, you're talking to guards or nobles, commoners or whoever, there's always this worry of failure. At times, like you say the wrong thing, or if you're one of those GMs that leaves a lot of things up to chance with the dice, the dice don't roll the right way. You know, things can go wrong, and it has repercussions. So the player is thinking about, what is it I'm doing? What is What kind of effect will it have? What kind of consequence am I going to be faced with after doing this? And then I set up this encounter with death where it's like, there are no consequences. You are just talking to a form of death that simply has just wants to play a game, just wants his chess piece back, and figures, hey, you got questions, you're here, let's just talk. So it broke down enough barriers that he was able to find out things he wanted to, and then from there, I was able to work with it, and as Death got more inquisitive, like I said before, and started asking him, like, why do this, why do that, he was able to reflect more and answer more in depth, like, various things that he's been going on about. And then I also asked him, uh, you know, I, I actually wanted to know, because... Technically, he is a good aligned character. I think he's, if I remember correctly, neutral good. I think. Can't entirely be certain. But he's a neutral good, I want to say. And when he was sent to kill the necromancer for his, you know, demon master, the necromancer was all like, hey, man, I'm like, I tried to do something. I failed horribly. I'm sorry. And I can tell y'all want me dead, so I'm fine. I, I give myself in. And at first, the rogue Lucius didn't want to kill him. However, there was an NPC that tagged along with them because I, I, I wanted to make up missing numbers. Like Since there's only two of them, I'm like, I want to balance this out a little bit. And they didn't have a healer. So like this paladin guy joined them. And the paladins are like, no, we have to kill him. He's evil. This, that, the other thing. And Lucius did not try to stop him. Lucius is like, yeah, I probably can't fight. Like, I probably can't fight him. He'll probably kill me, et cetera, et cetera. So he let the paladin kill the warlock. 
And so Death asked him that in games, like, why did you let that happen? Certainly you were interested in possibly letting him live. And the way I was role-playing Death is that Death knows the the things that led up to a person's death, the ultimate demise, he knows how those events occurred. So he knew how the warlock died. He knew the events that led up to it. And Lucius character was like, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I just couldn't. You know, I, there was nothing I could do and everything. And I continue with that because the way the warlock was asking is in ways how Lucius acts with that very fatal moment of like, well, there's nothing more I can do. I've been caught or whatever. Like, you know, this is the end. So I'm done. And I had Death mention that. Like, you see, you know, I saw a lot of him in you right now. You seem to be kind of like, eh, about things and just let it happen. And then I pushed it on him in character. I pushed on him. I'm like, you were asking before about your family, about the gray rat name. And if you're so ready to die and you're just giving in, you have this fatalist attitude, well, then gray rat name will die with you. And you seem passionate about that. And this is something that is driving you and you want to succeed and you want to do well and you want to redeem the name of gray rat. And you want to find answers, you know, things like that. If you're just giving up, then it doesn't matter. What's the point of you finding out about your family's past? If you're just okay with dying at any moment, what's the point then? Like, why are you bothering to try? Don't give, and I told him, like, don't give up so easily. If you want to succeed in something, you must persevere. And the way I was doing, I was using, I was actually using chess as an example. Like, we all have to make sacrifices, and sacrifices you make, you have to live with, and you have to figure out what can I do after making those choices? Because, you know, you move a piece in chess, and sometimes you have to move a piece to sacrifice it. And as I was mentioning that, that happened to me. I moved a piece, it got sacrificed, and I took his piece in return. So I don't know if he picked, I don't know if the player picked up on that. I was using the chess as an example of, yeah, you're just making choices, and you're going to have a sacrifice. It's going to be made. You have to keep going. So, yeah, you might have made that deal with the demon, or you might have let that warlock die. It happened. It is a sacrifice. It is a choice you made. Keep going forward for your ultimate goal. You know, in chess, the ultimate goal is to capture the opponent's king. Well, for him, his ultimate goal is to find out what happened to his family. Don't just let something stop you. Don't just become, you know, a fatalist, a pessimist. Don't just let that happen. And then at the end of this session, he was like, okay, I'm ready. Like, you know, I could tell as a player he felt this way. And he kind of mentioned a little bit like in-game. He kind of like let the hints go on with his player like, he was ready to go back and keep going and to figure a way out to make things work, to say, yes, I have a job to do now. I got to get Shin back. I have to get this my monk friend back. And then I have to persevere and figure out my history and make things right. With that whole little thing, and you know, it took a couple hours because we were playing chess, we were role-playing, stuff like that. So it took two to three hours, I want to say. It was fun, and it felt right. Like I felt like... I was able to address a concern I had over one of my players the way because it was it was affecting him in game at times like he was very he he'd act this way with a lot of things like as a as a person just in general whenever we played games or he you know we were in college and he had some work to do he had that mindset of just like shit like kind of giving up I felt like I was able to address that without really calling attention to it it I was able to state it and not feel like I was pressuring him as someone like pressuring him as a gm to be like hey man don't play like that like it didn't matter which you know i could have worded it in a nice way and that was my plan all along was to 
speak to him nicely about it as an as a human being, as an adult to an adult, it might still come off that way of like I'm the GM trying to be like, hey man, let's clean up our act. Doing it in game, I felt like I was able to avoid that because I felt you know in game, especially as a GM, you role play a bunch of different people, and there are characters like I had to role play that demon that he made a deal with. I had to role play a demon prince that is currently trying to get the monk, you know, steal his soul. So I role play. I role play that dick. I role play like, hey, there's no point. Just give up, man. Like I'll role play that. And on the other hand, I'll role play characters don't give up and keep going. So with the role play perspective, with the idea of role playing my message to the rogue, it felt right, and I felt it stick stuck better with him because yeah, he was a character telling him not to give up, and he was a character that wasn't. An, an antagonist. He wasn't going after him. He, There was no threat on his life. So as a player, he was able to kind of think back more and just live out his character in a healthier way and address the concerns that his character has. Not even him as a player, but his character also, the issues they have. Now, the way to do this, it'll change. It, it depends on the game. It depends on the players. It, it varies. Yes. If you're a GM... Think about it. What are some ways to let that natural feeling kind of come about? How can you role play something in game to address a concern you have with a player? Now, I'm not saying this works for everything. If there's a a really rule hogsy player who's being a dick, you know, stuff like that, there are certain things you have to address. Like, hey, dude, let's talk about this. You know, address it with them one on one and act as a human being and be very respectful and like, look, this is something we have to work on. We can't be doing this, whatever. Like Some things you have to address just face-to-face, human-to-human. But minor, you know, maybe not minor, but other things that do kind of impact the way the player plays, the mindset they have for their character. If you feel like it is really impacting how the game is running, find a way to do it in-game. Find a way to isolate that character in a healthy way and have them be addressed by an NPC that is acting different than the norm. You know, if most of the NPCs are really nice to the players and the players are all like, oh, everything's fine, nothing bad's going to happen, have them run to an NPC that's going to test that that mindset, test their metal, and be like, yeah, no, you can die. Or if, in my case, they're in a world with a lot of people are, are evil or want them dead or just general dicks, have them be introduced to that character that does care or just listens and it gives the players a chance to think about, wow, I am really acting this way as a character. And there is another way to think about it. Like, yeah, the world might suck, but there is another way to go about it. Or, yeah, the world seems all hunky-dory, but wait, I need to actually be serious right now because shit can go wrong. Every, I think it, and it helps everyone. Everyone's happier in the end about it because, like, shit, like, that's really, like, oh, my God, that's really how it is. This is there's something that can really happen. Hold up. Think about it. Try try it out. Find a way to make it work if you want to. Heck, even if it doesn't need to be done, maybe it would be fun to try it. Like, try a new type of NPC that they haven't encountered yet. See where it goes. And, yeah, if you can find a way to, like, implement real-world games, like I use chess, or if you meet in person and you want to stick with the whole dice thing, maybe there's, like, a dice game, you know, like a gambling game or something like that that the players can play, and it – Pretty much it, it exists in real life, and so you play this real-life game with them, like a gambling game or whatever it is that has an equivalent in the fantasy world, and then that kind of helps break down those barriers. Because when you do stuff like that, when you introduce a game 
in the game world, in this fantasy world of D&D, that actually has a real-life counterpart that you can then play as a GM with your players, that also breaks down more because you're actually engaged in a game inside the game. And it's not just up to dice and up to just role-playing. You actually have something to build off of it. And it uh, breaks down additional barriers because even though they're role-playing as characters, they feel like themselves just playing this game. They're just being themselves engaged in this game inside the D&D world. And I think that's very it's a very effective way to role-play with your characters and to help them understand things in the world. Because, hey, we're just shooting the shit. We're just playing a game inside a game, honestly. And everyone feels better. Most of the time, that's how it works. Like, when you play games with friends, you know, we've talked about it before in previous seasons. When you're playing a couch multiplayer game with your friends, you just feel good. You're just bullshitting. You're just hanging out. You're just talking about whatever. And life just feels good. If you do that in D&D and you're just playing a real-life game inside D&D, you just feel good. It seems like for a moment everything kind of goes away and you're able to just address whatever it is you want and everyone feels comfortable about it. Definitely try it out. Even if you don't need to address a specific issue with the way a player is acting in-game, it could be fun regardless to just kind of help build the world. So the moral of the story with this whole rant I've been going on, because that definitely happens recently, because all these D&D stories, I like to just go off the cuff, off the top of my head, like, what has I been thinking about? Sum it up, it's like, yeah, if a player is having a problem, find a way to address it them one-on-one in-game to make it seem like their character's reflecting on it and building off it. Find a way maybe to implement a real-world game into the D&D fantasy world that you and your players can play. So if you're doing it one-on-one or the whole part is involved, everyone's kind of having a good time and able to relax a little bit more. Because unless you do a gambling game, the stakes are lower. Like, it doesn't matter who wins this game. It's not going to determine if someone dies or if you get the shiny MacGuffin you need. You're just playing a game. It kind of takes the stress off. And sometimes D&D can be very stressful at times that's that's pretty much that i think that'll do it right now for this episode i just want to do like a nice little thing you know i gotta make dinner soon and do do a couple of things i did do the lengthy episode uh yesterday on saturday about the game expo so i want to take a just a short little rest today but give you this story of death playing chess with a rogue it was fun try it out sometime so everyone take care We'll have something for next week. I got plenty to talk about. Heck, I just played D&D today. I just finished up another session of D&D with some of my friends. So that has some other things going on that we can talk about. And, yeah, just enjoy your week. Leave a comment. Do whatever it is you know you want to do as a listener if you want to get engaged. Up to you. I'm just happy to talk and let you listen. So for now, take care.